With Apple, you have Foxconn, you have Wistron, and you have Pegatron? Yes. If you want to manufacture for Apple, you need to have you need an on. You understand? Yeah. You need to have an on in there. It makes you seem very serious, very large, uh, technologically advanced. Uh-huh. Um, you had to sound sort of like a transformer. Megatron. I guess he's not a transformer. He's a Decepticon. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, Transformers. Is I don't like know what I'm talking about. Term. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know. I just threw a sim tool because I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, Wistron, one of the Trons, one of the many Trons, Ons, is reportedly hiring up to 10,000 extra staff to man its iPhone plant in India claims a news report as Apple's suppliers continue to double down outside of China. Whoa. We talk about it every day because things are happening and things are changing. We talk about it every day. And it's, man, it's a lot of movement. It's a lot of shifting. Wistron, the same company, I believe, that we talked about yesterday, sold a portion of their manufacturing to a Chinese company, Luxshare. Things are moving and grooving. They're moving around. I don't know what's going on. Hmm. We can barely keep tabs on it. I don't know where your next iPhone's going to come from. I really don't. Hmm. It's prob it probably depends on where you're located in the world and which model you buy. This particular plant in N Narasapura, I definitely said that. I definitely said it wrong, uh, is going to hire 70% of those 10,000 jobs, they're going to hire locally. Well, so they're going to employ the local people. This is this is always great news for the locals. Hmm. You go in there, you get yourself a position at a really high-profile manufacturer. Now, of course, it doesn't, it's not going to say Apple and on a signage. It's going to say Wistron, but as far as you're concerned, you're working on those Apple products. Hmm. So it's, you know. Can they say technically they're working for Apple? If they want to say that, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you put the, you great. slap the Apple logo on the PCB. That's what they work on in this particular there plant. You go. They slap the logo on. So this place is 40 miles outside Bengaluru, which I've been to. Couldn't believe how tropical it's hot. Yeah, it was hot down yeah. there, and that's actually that's actually the hub, the tech hub of India is kind of down there. Uh, what a time I had in India. Mm. I don't need to tell you. I wasn't there. But I've heard good things. Oh, you weren't there. That's right. Yeah. So I do need to tell you. Yeah. I went to Goa. I was on the beach. I had a lobster. It's unbelievable. A lot of snacks. I was snacking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to, I yeah. tasted all the local With snacks and the local uh, dishes. I went to the restaurants. I had yeah. the seafood. I mean, I did it. Good times. I, I did it, Will. Sounds great. Next time I go back, I'm going to visit this plant over here, Wistron. I'm going to see what's going on. Got to get to the bottom of it. Because I'm I'm genuinely curious how this whole thing maps out in the future. There's been all kinds of incentives, all kinds of reasons for companies to double down. The uh, the aim here is accommodating the export of $5 billion worth of devices. That's a big number. That's the aim claimed by an unnamed Apple supplier planning to move an even more significant amount of production, production operations to India. We're talking about Wistron, Pegatron, Foxconn, and of course Samsung, who we talked about in the past. 
making big moves, mm. barely in China anymore, not in China anymore, and and moving to all these places, including uh, India, because of the various incentives that exist there. This is just another example of the power of the local incentives, right? And the capability of that public to take on some of these jobs that previously, well, I mean, pre previously we assumed it had to take place in China. Mm. Let's be honest here. Mm -hmm. uh, now, all of a sudden, you're looking at Vietnam, Cambodia, all these other ones that I mentioned, and it appears that's no longer the case. It, that this can happen elsewhere. Now, I don't know which devices these PCBs are for. Um, there is a conversation around whether or not these flagship devices and the export device. That's a, those are the two big stories. These PCBs coming from this from this plant, are they going to be destined for flagship models or lower-end models, cheaper models? Because once you cross that threshold, then you're you're in the big business. Mm. You're in the full-on, full full-scale business, mm. which for you might be comfortable. For a lot of others, it's intimidating. Mm -hmm. to be in a big business uh so anyways yes uh, exciting times for that particular region no doubt about it speaking of apple we have some news here on that upcoming a a14x bionic chip which according to some some degree of speculation actually this thing started fellow youtuber luke miani he posted this on twitter about the potential performance gains for the a14x bionic chip that of course one of apple's own pieces of silicon that uh, will likely be in the next iPad Pro model. And it's manufactured by TSMC, the Taiwanese manufacturer, doing all those hot chips, mm. hot chips, cool chips, all the chips. Mm. Potato chips? Yeah, potato chips. Huh. They got those, uh, maybe even Doritos, maybe even, which is a corn-based chip, if you didn't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you go for if you're going to have a chip? Kettle. kettle yeah. Chip. We talked about this. Yes. I'm I'm in the Delicious. same boat. I actually original as well. It could be, uh, there's so many uh, variants that I could, I would be fine with. Do you go for Miss Vicky's? I mean, Miss Vicky's is a classic since I'm a child. Yeah. But it could be, what's the other one? Kettle. It says kettle right kettle. on it. Yeah. It says, oh, that's one you're talking about. Yeah. I mean. See, kettle. what's confusing about that one is because kettle's the style. Yes. It's got a little more crunch to it. It's a bit of a thicker chip. Mm-hmm. Kettle brand, it's a whole brand, but it's yeah. also a style, so you got to keep it together here. Yeah, kettle brand, you got to say brand. Kettle brand potato chips. You know what? Some of those flavors, backyard barbecue, who's kidding who? Uh -huh. Anyway, apparently this A14X is near, go, going to be nearly on par with an 8-core Intel Core i9-9880H, which if you were a guy that was doing some gaming or something like this, you might pick a chip like that. Mm. For a gaming laptop or something like this. Yes. You might say, that chip will do, do me just fine, and I want some graphics, and I'm ready to go. I'm going to go play. Not Our, Fortnite, though. You're not going to play uh, Fortnite. You're going to play the next Far Cry mm. is what you're going to play. Mm. You want to use some of those RTX, some of that RTX tech. Yeah, yeah. All right, you want to enable some of that stuff. Some ray tracing? You need some tracing. You need the filters and you need the ultra settings and, you know. Yeah. People don't say that anymore. There's no game now where people can just say, like in the old days, can it run X? Like it was the crisis meme forever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But now what do you even say? Can it run, I don't know, flight simulator? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just brought that up because, Will, you're so into the flight simulator oh, lately. Yeah. 
It's getting five-star reviews, and it looks incredible, mm -hmm. the new Microsoft Flight Simulator. So anyways, this is not a fact. That's a very fast uh, chip, the i9-9880. This is not a fact. This is speculation, and it's based on leaked slash suspected information about the A14 and the average performance gains from previous X version chips. And he's put it out in a whole nice little uh, graph here, which graphs, they always do amazing. You put a graph in a tweet, it gets, I don't know, three times the interaction. And was like, oh yeah, yeah. It's a graph, I need to click Numbers, on that. Great. So the A14X obviously shows up way higher than the current generation A14 regular. And gives you gives you kind of uh, a little taste of what to expect. Of course, Apple increasingly they want you to use this iPad for everything. They want you to edit videos on this iPad. They want you to play games on this iPad. Mm. So they got to give you the power in the iPad. Mm. But then beyond that, they start putting the A series stuff into their laptops. Move away from Intel. So it's not unfathomable that they would be pushing some pretty serious performance numbers, considering that ambition. Mm -hmm. And so your next gaming. Your next gaming device, Will, is going to be an iPad. <laughs> I mean, that could be a reality. That could be a dream. Yeah. Well, Except, dream reality. <laughs> easy there. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> could be a dream reality. <laughs> I don't know if those two like things are the same. And then it becomes reality. Oh, you're dreaming right now. Yeah. Then it's a reality. Yeah. 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 But you can't get your Unreal Engine on there as we're going to, you know. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So that, that's, we're not just talking about Fortnite. That's the funny thing about the Fortnite story is you look up the number of games built on the Unreal Engine. It's mm -hmm. like, and, and granted, they could maybe switch to some other engine or something, but. It would be an absolute nightmare for a number of titles if that thing goes through. So you can have all the horsepower in the world, but you got to play Apple Arcade. Yeah. In Apple's futuristic walled garden, potentially. But who knows? If these chips are fast enough, if these devices are nice enough, you got a MacBook sitting right there. Mm -hmm. you, you, you just can't wait to get an A series in there. Can't wait. And chopping up clips and mm -hmm. clips and thumbs and whatever else. Apple renames Beats 1 to Apple Music 1 and launches two more live radio stations. Now, you may be looking at this and saying to yourself, what's the big deal? Maybe that's what you're saying. Well, go ahead, say it. What's the big deal? Hey, Lou, what's the big deal? Well, it's actually what not a big, big deal. What's that? What is a big deal? Oh, there you go. Okay, there, that's what I was hoping for. Well, it's really not a big deal. It's just a name, isn't it? Yeah. But... Once you start speculating, as you would do if you ran a show like we do, you would speculate to Timbuktu till the cows come home. That statement right there is actually a, uh, that's foreshadowing for a story that's coming up later. Oh. Later in the show. Okay. So stick around until the cows come home. I'm tuned in. You're tuned in and you're tuned up. Yeah. Both. Both. And neither. And That's right. Anyway, Apple renames Beats 1 to Apple Music 1. Uh, Beats, a brand that Apple paid, what was it, a billion dollars for? Started, you know, brought the, the headphones under the umbrella, the Apple umbrella. It was, it was cozy. It was dry and cozy. Away from the storm of the consumer electronics landscape. Come, come with us. We're Apple. Here's a check for Dre and... Who's the other guy? Jimmy. Jimmy Iveen. Jimmy Iveen. 
Here's a little check. Come under the umbrella. Well, a little time passes. Yeah, there's Beats products, but then a little thing happens. A little thing called AirPods happen. Mm -hmm. Will he do? And all of a sudden, you see these little, little toothbrush things showing up in everybody's ears. Wildly popular. Most popular product of our time. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, but that thing is everywhere, man. It, it was very disruptive, and a lot of other products modeled themselves after this product. That's the AirPods Pro that came out shortly after, and they're rumored to be working on an AirPods over-ear studio product. Hmm. You might be having a little too much success there where that brand that you brought in, that Beats thing, you're wondering, why am I marketing this thing? What am I doing with this thing? Who is it for anymore when I've got all these other competing products with the Apple brand that help push the equity of that particular brand forward? Mm -hmm. So this is a small name change to uh, a radio station, but it could be indicative of a greater change that, that might be taking place from a hard, uh, for, for hardware going forward. Mm. I don't know this for a fact. I said it was speculation. And that's what we're here for. I got to guess. I got to take a shot at it. Mm -hmm. And that shot, my shot that I'm taking here is why. Yeah, I'm saying why are you putting all this energy into the Beats brand? Any energy into the Beats brand. When people, customers have obviously selected an Apple product in the headphone space. A couple of Apple products at this point. And they seem okay with it. Now you go do the over ear, and it seems weird to put beats to bed, but I'm gonna go ahead and call it. The writing's on the wall. It may hang around, but it's never gonna be what it was. Hmm. There was a point in time you saw that beef flying everywhere. Mm -hmm. You couldn't walk down the street. Beats headphones hit you square in the face. You say, where yeah. do these come from? Who do these belong to? All of a sudden they're on your head. You don't know how they got there. Like what? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're driving down the road, and Dr. Dre gives you a thumbs up. You're like, how did he get here? I'm in Canada. What's going on? In my car. Yeah. Where did he come from? All of a sudden, you turn around, your back seat is Dr. Dre. Thumbs up. Yeah. You say, I had the alarm set. <laughs> alarm set. What? The alarm on the car was set. How did he get in? Oh, yeah. yeah. You see? Yeah. <laughs> they did the guerrilla marketing stuff at the Olympics. I remember it was so interesting. They just. I think it was Panasonic who got messed up because Panasonic bought the official audio sponsor of the Olympics and they provided Panasonic headphones to people, mm -hmm. to athletes, so that on the broadcast they would have these free Panasonic headphones which were in the hotel room when they arrived. All the high-profile athletes. Well, the high-profile athletes, they said, oh yeah, by the way, I want to wear the Beats product. Mm -hmm. and, and the people at Beats knew this because some of their athletes that they already had deals with had been doing so, wearing them on the broadcast. They mm. see a little boost. So what does Beats do? They do the guerrilla style. They go door to door inside the Olympic Village. They drop a pair of Beats in front of everybody's door, and they say, you don't have to use it. Mm. But you might not mind, because it's a fashionable headphone that you're going to feel cool wearing. Yeah, and they're free. And they're just at your door. So yeah. do, you do what you want to do. And then they got in trouble for it. And Panasonic said, hey, man! Pay money for this thing. So then the Olympic Committee had to come out and say, like, you can't be, we can't be doing all this. Yeah. We got rules here. Anyway, Beats Days, it may be behind us to a certain degree as we move towards in this direction. It's one of those brands that Apple could kill or diminish. They'll probably let it hang around because there is some uh, history there. 
Maybe they go the fitness route with it as they have been doing. I don't know what the volume looks like versus AirPods, but I'm speaking about my life experience out in the street, living life. You're seeing a lot more AirPods than Beats products right now. Mm -hmm. But it might be different in your region. You let me know down in the comments what you're seeing. I'm not saying it's going to be dead. I'm just saying its significance likely diminished. And this could be the start of it by removing the Beats name. Which that's a, that's a I mean, as far as radio station names are concerned, Beats One? Yeah. Beats One? I mean, that sounds pretty cool. But so I guess Apple Music One, whatever. Last Apple story of the day. Apparently, Apple worked with the U.S. government on a secret iPod. You love these stories, Will. Mm. You, you put secret in a headline. You love that. Mm -hmm. Conspiracy. I, I mean, is your interest peaked or what? It's peaked. That's right. Yeah. Well, you can thank Mac Rumors for that. Well, this was republished from some, some comments made. In, on a publication called tidbits.com, Apple worked with the U.S. government on a secret modified iPod, according to a new report by a former software, Apple software engineer, David Scheer. He says back in 2005, he was asked by the director of iPod software to help two engineers from the U.S. Department of Energy build a special iPod. The engineers were, in fact, contractors from Bechtel, a large U.S. defense contractor. They go in there well. They say, we need a little covert device. We need a little, uh, what, what, what would it be? A stealth. A stealth device. So it looks like an iPod, but it's not an iPod. You see, we can get this anywhere we need to go. Huh. This can travel in a pocket. This can look like a regular consumer device. It can function like a regular consumer device, but maybe somewhere deep in that menu is this special feature that we're looking for. Mm. So it can run as a sensor. It can run as a detector. Mm. Now, question is, Will, if you're the, the Department of Defense and you're doing secretive operations, what type of detector, what type of feature would you need to have hidden inside of an iPod in 2005? Again, keep in mind, this is before the full penetration of smartphones. So an iPod would be a common thing to find in someone's pocket. Mm -hmm. But what is the secret feature you're going to need? I don't know. Some sort of like anti-hacking feature? Go on. Um, is this in your dreams or is this reality? <laughs> Where are we right now? It's definitely in my dreams. <laughs> I can't dream of anything right now. You're wrong, Will! You would want to... Be able to sense nuclear activity. Sense? Yeah, that's right. You want to pick it up on your little stealth Geiger counter. Mm -hmm. That's what you would want to do. Because you may need to go into uh, an area that doesn't want you there. You may need to go run a quick little covert analysis to find out if there might be nuclear weapons in a place to detect radiation yeah that's what you might do i mean i wouldn't suspect that but it makes sense <laughs> i get it yeah. i mean you wouldn't do it but they no, I, I they would do it they spend a bunch of money on this stuff how about this for a budget the department of energy responsible for u.s nuclear weapons and nuclear power programs and it's in its 
2005 budget, $24.3 billion, $9 billion of the budget intended to meet defense-related objectives such as nuclear deterrence. I don't know if you recall, there was you had the whole thing, weapons of mass destruction. You remember that back in the day? And how do you determine whether or not you can, you can, you can, uh, what do you call it? Invade a place, I guess. Mm. How do you determine where a threat actually lives? A real threat, a nuclear threat. You go in and I guess you get close to where you think those weapons might be. And then you just mm. see if you can pick up the radiation. Mm. Well, then I can let you in there with some... Thing that's obviously yeah. designed to 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 read for radiation a geiger counter yeah. they're not going to let you in with a typical one so you you bury it inside of an ipod and you just peek down at that thing every so often and right. everyone knows it as an ipod interesting so they but the crazy thing about the story is apple was fully aware of it obviously but it was so secretive inside of apple only, only like four people knew about mm. the operation going on and and they sort of worked together to allow this thing to happen. Very interesting. I remember the iPod, by the way. The iPod that they had uh, worked on or changed around was a iPod fifth generation with a 60 gigabyte disc. Remember, it used to have an actual mini little hard drive in there. I believe it was a 1.8 inch disc in there. Did you have one of these? I had the second generation. Wait a second. Fifth gen. Is it the fifth gen? Oh, you're looking at the iPod Touch, 5th gen iPod Touch. We just need well, how do fifth, I search for that? You just need iPod try, type up iPod 5. See what happens. And this might do it. How dare you, iPod Touch? So rude. They took it, they took over. Maybe it had a different name. Was it Classic? I it, it looks more like the Classic. See, it didn't With play the, it didn't it? play video, I don't think. But yeah, that's what it looks like. It was this style that you crack open. And I think it was the fifth iPod, but definitely not the fifth generation of iPod Touch. This was prior to that. You had a hard disk inside 60 gigs of storage Mm -hmm. and a much different operating system with a click wheel Mm -hmm. and you moved around that way. So I assume their Geiger counter was buried somewhere in the settings menu Hmm. that anyone who wanted to inspect the thing would likely be unable to find. Uh, Samsung is working on a more affordable Galaxy S20. This is a big deal. This is a this is a a, a smart move. Mm-hmm. They it will likely be called the fan edition. They haven't done a fan edition in a long time. I think since the uh, Note Seven, I remember there was a fan edition or FE. And I don't know what this heading means. Fan edition. I don't know why it's called fan edition. Maybe they don't want to call it budget. Maybe they don't want to call it light. What it really means is. It's, it's to appease the enthusiasts who want value for money. Mm. It's, it's that group of people who uh, doesn't want to spend the flagship level cash, but wants the core features. And to me, the, the weird part about the fan edition is, is it they're doing this for the fans? They're going to have less of a profit margin and serve the fans? Maybe because the weird part to me is if you're a real super fan, then you spend the money on the flagship model and you don't sit around and wait for a fan edition. Mm-hmm. But anyways, with, with the S10, you may recall you had a light model. There was a Galaxy S10 light that saved a few bucks. This S20 fan edition, what's cool about it, and I don't, 
I don't have a price here. I don't know that there's even speculation on the price currently, but what's cool about it is it keeps an 800 series chip, supposedly. 865, where is it? 865, 855. 865. It will, it will reportedly be powered by a Snapdragon 865 with a 4,500 milliamp hour battery. The screen is rumored to be a 120 hertz refresh rate. And it'll be slightly bigger than the standard S20, but smaller than the S20+. Plus. Again, this is all rumors, leaks. We have renders based on this information as well. I don't know where they're going to save the money because that's a pretty, that's a pretty impressive spec list based on those leaks, but maybe they don't spend the money or save the money. Let's see here. The elect previously reported this, that Samsung could release it in October for $759 compared to the base price of the S20 at $999. So yeah, it's a little bit of savings there. I don't know where they're skimping. Maybe on the camera? Of course, we would have to wait to find out. You're currently an S20 user yourself, Will. Mm -hmm. What are the features that matter to you? Uh, refresh rate. Okay. And the camera. Camera's good. Camera, solid. refresh. Now, this one would be slightly bigger than the standard S20. You have a 6.2-inch screen. This goes up to a 6.4. It's not quite as big as the Plus at 6.7. Could you go up a little bit in screen size for a fan edition? Would you? Would no, you, could you? I don't think I could. You couldn't. No. All right. But what if I were to tell you that you're going to save almost, almost $150 off the price of the regular S20? Oh. Yeah, as a consumer, sure. Price matters quite a lot. Are you and a consumer, Will? I, I guess I am. You are. You uh, are. $150 is uh, no chump change. No, no, it's good. And, and the spec list actually for $750, looks, if that's the price it ends up coming in at, looks pretty impressive. You get the Samsung brand. You're part of the flagship lineup. The renders look pretty nice. You have the tiny little Infinity-O display. Yeah. If you have the same display as the S20, that's a nice display. 4,500 milliamp hour batteries, some somewhat decent fast charging, Snapdragon 865 you already want, and then the 120 hertz display. I think you're you're kind of happy about it. Mm -hmm. Triple camera array. We got to wait to see what actually launches, but that looks pretty promising. Mm -hmm. Step into a flagship-like experience for a couple hundred bucks less. Yep. We have a new entrant into the TikTok, I want to buy TikTok sweepstakes. It's a new game show here on CNBC. <laughs> they don't have game shows, and we're not CNBC. No. It's like uh, the dating show with the doors. Oh, yeah. Or, I remember that. Yeah, the wall. Yeah, right. And TikTok's the... Usually it's... So you don't see the, the person one. on the other side of it? You don't. You're you dating them without really seeing. Provocative questions. Easy. For some reason, my brain just started thinking about a show I used to watch at my grandmother's house where you had a shopping cart and you had to go shopping for groceries that, and hit a certain amount of money. And the word sweepstakes just made me think of it. Oh, It's a shopping, you're in a, in a store, you have a cart. It's from the, probably from the 80s or 90s. It wasn't new when I was watching it at her house as a child. Shoppers was in the 90s grocery supermarket sweep. That's why I was thinking of sweepstakes. Supermarket sweep. She had she would have this on. Wait a second, 1965. No, it wasn't from unless it was a reboot. Unless she was well, watching a really old show. Maybe it's a rerun. 
wow, maybe it was, and she was reruns. I don't know. Wow. You want to play a little bit of that real quick, Will? This is, I know we're going off track here. Just a little, give us a little. 94. Give me the 1994. That would have been it. That's a nine-year-old Lou right there. Nine-year-old Lou. Yeah, that's it. Wow. Crazy, man. What a time that was. Yeah, on Lifetime. She would have had this on. Game show in a supermarket. It would be, you have to... You have a certain amount of money to, or a certain amount of time to collect the ingredients for a particular thing and uh, crazy. It was to see how good you were at the supermarket, you know? Yeah. And the prices wouldn't be on things. You found out the price later, kind of price is right style. Huh. They're There's so excited. Trivia aspect. So much optimism. A lot of optimism. 1994. 1994. Uh... The pre pre previous year, the Blue Jays had won the World Series. Mm. Pizza Pizza was thriving. The good old days. <laughs> Toronto in 1994. Anyway, a little trip trip down memory lane right there. Somehow we got there on a new story about TikTok. The dating T game? TikTok, it, it could go... Well, obviously we have the Microsoft. Microsoft has been courting this deal, talking to Trump and the government and whatever else is necessary to potentially acquire TikTok. And now Oracle is in the mix as well. Mm -hmm. And apparently they are leading the charge alongside a couple of other investment firms who I believe are already invested in ByteDance, at least in the TikTok product, and based in California. And originally when this news started to started to emerge that they, that TikTok was going to be banned mm. there the very first theory was that the american investors in the company could just assume a greater role mm -hmm. they could just assume a bigger piece of the company and then continue to you know, find a way to operate it but maybe that's outside of their core competency they are investment firms after all and not necessarily enormous tech companies and there's a lot that goes into running a giant social media platform something like TikTok. Mm -hmm. So you may need a tech partnership with a company who has a big cloud business. Oracle has that. So supposedly this new pitch, it's the same as the Microsoft pitch where it would assume uh, the, it would acquire TikTok's US, Canadian, Australian, and New Zealand operations, same group. And it would be a partnership between Oracle, probably doing the tech backend stuff, and Sequoia, and what is the other, which is the last of those companies? A General Atlantic. So they would come in on this deal altogether. This would be very strange for Oracle. They have no play at all in this space. They've been in the cloud in a big way, but they've been losing some of their share in the cloud due to uh, some of the progression, some of the progress that's been made by uh, Amazon, Amazon with the AWS product. Microsoft has their cloud product. Google has their cloud product. It's a it's a busy landscape. They've actually, I think their yeah their revenue declined six percent to ten point four billion in the fourth quarter. So they may be looking for growth opportunities, and who knows? They they may be the correct party to get a deal done. They may be capable of satisfying all the weird various aspects that are necessary to satisfy to get this deal done especially when they're a i guess server-based company mm -hmm. um they can just get tiktok's data 
into American servers, right? Yeah, you just plug in the hard drive. Yeah. You just Easy plug in that. one external hard drive. Yeah. And then you got everything. It's like, the, oh, there it is. Perfect. We're done. USB-A. That's <laughs> Don't worry about those transfer times. Yeah, pretty much. I guess one of the reasons are that you, one of the things you can imagine is that as all these pitches take place and they try to satisfy all the parties involved, there's a there's going to be a lot of consideration around, first of all, is this company even capable of doing this in a reasonable way, in a safe and private way? Can they actually execute this thing? And then also, will, would they become too powerful if they did do this thing? Hmm. Which is why you haven't heard as much about companies like Facebook or Google acquiring TikTok because mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't be approved. I'm not saying, I don't know for certain, but they're already getting grill grilled in Congress for having too much control, ownership over too much data, too, too big to fail type of conversations. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, not surprising to me that Microsoft was the, was the one to emerge because they weren't at those Congress hearings. Right. They weren't receiving the same type of grilling. Mm -hmm. And obviously Oracle wasn't there either. They're still mega powerful companies, mega capable companies. But maybe this pitch ends up being the one that's accepted because it not only has to be accepted by the seller, but it also has to be accepted by the U.S. government and who knows what ingredients are necessary to satisfy all those groups. Mm -hmm. Google has requested FCC authorization to confidentially test 6 gigahertz spectrum across the United States. 6 gigahertz, that sounds exciting, right, Will? Six gigahertz. That's uh, that's fast. That's fast. It just sounds fast. We all six gigahertz. Perfect. This is this is a complicated thing. The way that these bands operate, the FCC, at least in the U.S., has to authorize uh, companies to 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 even be able to operate within certain frequencies, and they open up these various bands at different times. Sometimes there's bidding that takes place. Other times they just open it up in general if the, anybody can use it. This uh, is apparently going to be great for Wi-Fi because the uh, the current 5 gigahertz, 2.4 gigahertz bands are really crowded. If you've ever, uh, you, you pop open your little Wi-Fi selector in, in any residential area, any commercial area, you'll see it's crowded. And, and oftentimes that crowding is responsible for your subpar experience. Mm. It's just a lot of stuff happening there. Well, this would open a tremendous amount of bandwidth currently un unutilized. And if you were to purchase equipment capable of utilizing it, you would be part of a much smaller group mm. than what currently exists on 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. Obviously, Google wants to be at the forefront of this. And even though they're kind of stating this this current experiment as a small-scale fact-finding mission, you have to imagine that at a certain point they would want to turn that into commercialization. Hmm. They have Wi-Fi products. They care about connectivity. They want you to have a better web experience because, well, you're more likely to be interacting with their products mm -hmm. uh, if your web experience happens to be good. Google will make sure that the tech coexists with existing networks and notes how the proposed operations will be less of an interference threat than amateur radio operations. In some cases, the company will avoid outdoor operation. While the specifics are redacted, testing will be sparse in time and location. So they're saying, it's super small scale. Leave us alone right now, as you would say, if you wanted to make the case that you should be allowed to experiment. Although they've requested permission in 26 different cities, including Atwater, Los Angeles, Menlo Park, San Bruno, 
It's where YouTube is based. San Diego, San Francisco, San Jose, Phoenix, Boulder, Tampa, Atlanta. Well, there's a whole list of cities that they want to run this experiment. New York is in there as well. And it could have implications for the future of your Wi-Fi equipment and your Wi-Fi connections, Will. Catch yourself a little upgrade, why don't you? Sounds great. So is there going to be just still 2.4, 5 gigs? Yeah. And then the new ones. Yeah, it'll, you'll have to have your backwards compatibility, right. I presume. But, you know, I'll hop on that. Yeah. I guess. But do you, you're going to have some people, you're, gonna have, you're definitely going to have some people saying that they're dying because of it, right? Or Yeah, we need that iPod Geiger counter. Yeah, we're going to Geiger it. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> I don't think those are the same things, Will, but <laughs> we might as well. We might as well pick up a quick Geiger counter. Yeah. Trump dangles cash for U.S. firms moving from China. Uh, this is along the lines of a lot of the earlier stories here. We know what Trump's been saying about the China stuff. I mean, he won't stop with it. It's it turned into a, me a mega political issue. There's an election coming. It's turning into a, a real sort of, uh, what would you say? I, I guess it's an opportunity to create or expose either create or expose a problem to discuss a problem and then and then also say that you're the solution to the problem and therefore look at all the amazing stuff that you've done i mean mm -hmm. he it's the previous campaign was a lot about job creation mm -hmm. and it's, it's no s surprise everybody everybody's well aware that many of many of our goods not in the, just in the US here in Canada and globally originate in China and and there's been increasingly this conversation around nations wanting to own more of their manufacturing mm -hmm. uh, make things made in America mm -hmm. for example made in Canada yeah name a thing that's made in Canada um basketball <laughs> <laughs> We don't, there's no uh, economic <laughs> advantage to the fact that basketball was invented in Canada, though I do like that little yeah, tidbit. Right? That's yeah. a little tidbit. If I ever heard a tidbit, that's true. I would Naismith. Say, uh, and, I and don't know, Timbits? The, the Raptors are, I guess, yeah. basketball export. Timbits. Timbits. Uh, maple syrup, Well, Maple syrup. Maple syrup. I knew you were going to go there. That's why I didn't want to say it. No, maple syrup because... It's it's we we're in trouble, man. We're not really exporting all that much. We have obviously uh, energy products that we export, but and maple syrup, and obviously this show. Don't forget this show. This is one of Canada's major exports. But anyway, Homegrown. yeah, people look. Every nation's trying to create jobs, keep jobs, keep the economy rolling in a terrible uh, time, a rough time, a rough patch, and so. Some of the language that Trump's using is around around bringing jobs, even more jobs to America that have uh, evacuated in recent years. He vowed to create 10 million jobs in 10 months, saying we will end our reliance on China. And that's that's probably harder to do than it is to say. Mm -hmm. It's probably harder to do than say, but that's like a lot of things in life. Harder to do than say. We will create tax credits for companies that bring jobs from China back to America we built the greatest economy in the history of the world, and now I have to do it again. Him personally. Mm. He's going to be there mm. uh, screwing in the drywall, hammering right. the just to build the facility. Then he's also going to be on the assembly line when the smartphones are back. Of course. And he did go visit the that Texas plant where they were building Mac Pros in Austin, where oh. Apple was building Mac Pros, one of the few products they assemble in the United States. 
it appears to be harder to do than mm. many might imagine. There's the famous Wisconsin story. Yeah, with Foxconn. With Foxconn, where there doesn't appear to be much happening there. So I don't know how plausible this is, but he is effectively on the record here stating that there will be tax breaks and incentives for companies that are willing to do this. There's not a tremendous amount of detail right now, but we've seen how this worked in India. Now, obviously, India, a much different economy than the United States, but you have to presume that it could have some sort of an impact and it may entice companies. I think he would love to entice the, the Taiwanese companies. Mm -hmm. We'd love to entice the all the cons. Yeah. Get a few cons over here. Mm -hmm. And I'll take any con. And I'll give you this tax break real quick. The India version of it, I believe they were giving between 4 and 6% back for any, any revenue generated from companies that were willing to move their operations there. So everyone's competing will for the manufacturing. Everybody mm -hmm. wants this manufacturing now. Manufacturing comes with jobs and people want jobs. So mm -hmm. U.S. included. Uh, speaking of the India piece, a Asia's richest man, Mukesh Ambani, he is on a shopping spree now. So we talked a lot about s him selling things, selling percentages, stakes in his various companies, Reliance, Geo. I, th I think this says here, Geo has is now... What did they sell? Like 22% of the company or something? Should I get this right? Selling a combined 33% stake in Geo platforms. Mm. So you got Google, Facebook. It's been it's been a a sales spree and now it's a shopping spree. You take that money. Here's what you do. Well, let me explain it to you. Explain some business to you. Okay. Mm. Opportunity in India right now because things are still relatively cheap in India. You can turn around, take those billions of dollars, purchase a bunch of Millions of dollars. You see how that goes? Uh -huh. You break up those billions into little sections that are millions. Mm. And then you go around and you see who all your competitors are in all the various marketplaces. I mean, with him now, he's talking uh, pharmaceuticals. He's talking, oh, let me just read a few. I mean, it's so vast and, and, yeah. and, and wow. Let me, let me, go can ahead. I, can I, do you mind? I can read a few. A lingerie company, an online furniture company. Do you see how this works, Will? You take the billions you get in investment from the West, and then you buy local companies that are thriving or at that cusp at that early stage. Now, you attempt to take those companies to the next level through your purchasing because you can plug them into all your networks for growth. But you just turned, you just took your billions and you bought for millions. Yeah. That's the part I like. Mm -hmm. 33 billion can buy you a ton of $100 million companies. Yeah. Expand your network. Oh, yeah. So whenever you're ready, Will, you just let me know. We'll do the same thing. All right, for sure. We'll sell for billions and buy for millions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the 63-year-old tycoon is seeking to widen his retail footprint in a market that's become a hotspot for global giants such as Amazon, as well as the local rivals, all chasing a billion-plus consumers. The business mogul last month outlined plans to rope in investors for his Reliance Retail Limited days after selling a combined 33% stake in Geo Platforms. Uh, they're going to pay $160 million for Zivam, which is a furniture company. Oh, no. Zivam is the pharmaceutical company, I think. Oh, no. NetMeds is the pharmaceutical company. That's $120 million. What does Zivam do? They're the lingerie company. Hmm. So $160 for, for the lingerie company, $120 for the pharmaceutical company, and $30 million for the, for the furniture company. You're going to have a play everywhere. 
I mean, this dude really wants, he's going to be the Bezos. He already maybe is the Bezos. He's good. He wants to be the yeah. everything guy. And as far as India is concerned, he really starting to look like the everything guy. Cause he's, cause, cause he's taking billions and buying for millions. Yeah. Just the fact that it calls it a shopping spree. It's yeah. like he's buying companies. Whereas us, we're just buying groceries. Right. Right. You mean when you go on a shopping spree? Yeah. You mean when you watch uh, Supermarket Sweep? Yeah. The show from earlier. That's a shopping spree. You go in, you splurge on the premium. Uh, what would be a premium splurge for you where you would step up to the next level? You'd be like, you know what? Today, I'm going to get the, the more expensive barbecue sauce. Yes. Or, yeah, chocolate would be the one chocolate would yeah, be the no. one i had yeah. some great chocolate the other day I, I would i would also do the yeah. same thing in exchange for the right chocolate company that's doing well in the u.s and i presumably canada home depot quarterly sales soar 23 percent as consumers take on more diy projects because of the lockdown hmm. uh can you see it will can you imagine because mm -hmm. i seen the home depot and even during Early days lockdown, the parking lot, people could only do the pickup and they were all doing it. Contractors yeah. as well as homeowners, it seemed that was a segment that never really shut down. Mm -hmm. People were trapped at home. I remember super early days, they were saying, oh, we're going to clean up the house. Oh, uh, I'm going to clean out the closet. And all of a sudden you saw the garbage piles on people on the side of the road. Yeah. Then it had to advance past there because you're trapped at home. I got to improve something. Maybe I got to paint a room. Maybe I got to build a deck. You yeah. see, renovation is was high, and it still is, right? People are still working on their homes. Home Depot's profit surged twenty five percent to four point three three billion, or four dollars per share, during the fiscal second quarter. Coronavirus pandemic boosted sales. Company spent four hundred eighty million on additional compensation for its employees because those people are all working extra mm. to deal with the demand. I'm sure they have the online operation as well, people ordering for delivery or store pickup. But you know what this is, Will. Let me let me tell you something. Let me explain something to you. Wow, actually scroll down to the graph just before I do that. This is a big improvement. They were kind of falling off and then kablamo. That's a pretty big elevation there on that graph. I know you like graphs, Willie Do. Anyways, we talked about this before, and this is the optimistic side. This is the half empty glass versus the half full glass. Some 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 something happens that affects some group negatively, and mm -hmm. sure enough, there's some beneficiary mm. on the optimistic side. It's they were going one direction, moving downwards, and then this thing happens, and hey, we're ready to go. You want to mm -hmm. fix your house now? You want to fix your house now? They were on TV with all the commercials. You want to fix your house? You ready to fix your house yet? Mm -hmm. Then this thing happens, and like now you're ready to fix your house. No, perfect. We're ready to go too. It's like you got me. We're ready to go too. So anyways, that's a little upside there. Xbox boss Phil Spencer says, we don't care if the PS5 sells more. First off, I don't believe you. You have to care. It's kind of your business. Mm -hmm. But I do kind of believe you because Xbox, as he goes on to state in this particular podcast, he did an interview. Xbox has been investing a lot of time, Microsoft specifically in other partnerships and other projects, including their cloud-based gaming project. Mm. And they may not just be in it for the hardware sales, even though I do believe you have to care a little bit. As people pick these platforms, they tend to stick to them. 
current estimates are, are suggesting that the PlayStation could ship between 120 million to 170 million units, which could be double what the Series X ends up shipping. So it appears, and again, this is speculation, but it appears the PS5 has a little bit more uh, juice at the moment. Hmm. But that said, he goes on to say, look, we got a lot of stuff going on. He says, uh, uh, how many consoles do I sell versus how many consoles does another company sell? Sony or Nintendo or other companies back in the day, that's not our approach. He's basically saying, even without Xbox Series X exclusives, they're happy to be uh, working on their xCloud game streaming service that counts smartphones among its incompatible platforms. You saw the deal that they made with Samsung to include the little clip unit and the controller unit that they're pushing for. He says, if I only cared about console sales, why would I make the titles available on mobile? If I only cared about console sales, why would I make the titles available on PC? Well, PC, you got Microsoft on the PC. Mm -hmm. And on mobile, you got the Android partnership now on the, on the Surface products. So they are not as locked into that one to that one thing, maybe in the same way that Sony is with the PlayStation brand. So I kind of hear what he's saying, but he definitely cares about people buying the Xbox. You spend a lot of time building the Xbox, making the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And we could be in a different boat right now if that Halo thing had worked out a little bit better. Right. But uh, a recent survey actually asking which what customers were most likely to buy saw 84% of gamers pick Sony's product over the Xbox product. Mm-hmm. 84% is a that's a big discrepancy right there. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it all shakes out. But I, I hear him. I hear him on some of that. The cloud gaming is interesting. Mm-hmm. How fast is SpaceX's satellite internet? We now have a beta test. Now, it was really optimistic early days, and some of the language coming out of Elon talking about a gigabit. Mm. Now, you had to know that was, a, that was kind of extreme. You had to know, hey, man, gigabit from space? Mm. I don't know. Well, anyway, they got a couple speed, speed tests popped up on uh, Ookla's uh, speed test website. They're the guys, when it comes to speed tests, I probably ran 1,000 speed tests, these guys. Yep. Maybe more. Maybe 10,000 in my years. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the numbers didn't shake out that well. It was uh, from 11 megabits per second to 60 megabits per second. Upload speeds were lower than download speeds. The tests took place in Los Angeles, California, and Seattle, Washington, and PC Mag reached out to Ookla to see if these were authentic tests, to which they said, yes, they believe that these are authentic. SpaceX has currently only launched 600 satellites. So, of course, they intend on ex- expanding that. And they're not publicly stating these figures. They're still working on it. Mm-hmm. So not to say that these can't improve, but I'm saying, I'm saying 60 megabits down on satellite. I've been in spotty locations. I've been in rural locations. You can have some nasty slow internet. Mm. So if we're up in space, Will, and I can catch 60, I'm still interested. Yeah, you can definitely stream Netflix. I was up there in cottage country, man. I was dying. I had nothing. Maybe I should have had nothing. Uh Maybe I wanted to have nothing. Yeah. But if if I had to live up there and do the Zooms and all the rest of it. It's tough. I'd be saying I need a little bit more connectivity. And of course, space and satellites could allow for that. So even though it's not the gigabit yet, and hopefully they can get closer to that, 
60 is not nothing for some people in some regions. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, globally. Yes. So shout out to space-based internet, even if it comes with the pollution, the, uh, not the, not the, what, what, what was it? The uh, astronomy photographers. Yeah. We're not happy about the satellites. They got to put the shades on it. Mm -hmm. We talked about it. We've got a clip. Go look for the clip. I explained. Speaking of Elon, we got a software updates, a software update or multiple software updates, maybe for the Model S performance improvements will to come and meet the the high criteria that's been set by the new Taycan pushing some crazy numbers, even though they on paper, they were really conservative. And then they took it on a track and all of a sudden 2.4 seconds on the launches and, mm. and zero to to 100 and track times. And Elon rushed over there. He sent a car, a plaid model car over to Germany. He says, let me see what I can do. And then they start tweaking the software. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of amazing that you can drastically change the performance of a vehicle through nothing but a few lines of code there, Willie do. Right. And it's something, it's a real advantage that Tesla has. So they went in there, they tweaked, they, they, uh, they tinkered, mm. as you would yep. if you were Tesla and you were playing around with a couple lines of code. And they were able to actually uh, pr pretty significantly improve the performance of that particular car. Car and driver went ahead and they retested the Model S since this new update. And it now matches the Taycan's 0 to 60 mile per hour time at 2.4 seconds on their test, car and driver test which mm. makes sure that the conditions are similar and all the rest of it. The update also shaves a whopping average of two seconds off the Model S times for short run and quarter mile pass. Most importantly, the publication did 15 consecutive runs to learn that consistency and endurance have also improved drastically. So what can I say, Will? This is the future of cars. You just uh, unlock. Oh, that's also terrifying. Mm. I'm picturing freemium games right now where you have to unlock all the various features in the game by paying money mm. imagine we get to a point where in order to unlock the next performance level for your car you have to send a payment and then every time you get into your car it reminds you that you haven't done that upgrade yet yeah and it says this is what you're missing out yes and or it'll even give you a sample run it'll say oh, yeah. want to experience have a taster want to have a taster of level two performance today's on us and then you drive around for a day on level two performance and you lose it the next day it's kind of black mirror mm. black mirror ish so it's uh, equally terrifying but also incredibly convenient mm. imagine the performance improvements coming over the air it's really cool uh i have a funny clip here from tesla sentry mode this is the mode it's capturing the exterior cameras whenever anything funky happens to your tesla someone bangs into it Someone uh, uh, tries to break into your car. Someone scratches, dents your vehicle, maybe while it's charging, something like this. Uh. So you end up with some funny clips. Here we have Tesla Cam Stories episode 14. This is a, a bizarre interaction, which I know you want to watch. I have watched it in advance. I had to make sure it was safe. Yeah. Safe for consumption. Now you have a biker here and there oh. you go, Will. That's your clip. <laughs> now this is a compilation of Sentry clips. It comes to us via a YouTube channel by the name of what? By the name of Wham Bam Tesla Cam. How about mm -hmm. that for an entire channel? And I want you to just roll it back one more time, Will, because we got we to gotta catch a glimpse at the thumbnail image. 
which of course tells the story for the most part. We have, at first, I believe it's a skateboarder flying through there. Okay, there, pause. Okay, so you had a skateboarder and the skateboarder was focused mm -hmm. and the skateboarder was a longboard. They were just gliding along real summer style. Yeah. And we actually, we got to take it slow here because there's a lot going on. It's more than you originally thought. There's the skateboarder. You paused it. Now, the skateboarder's looking ahead, right? Watching the direction they're going. So that's not a problem. But now I want you to keep your eye on the biker who comes up next. I uh, apologize, a cyclist. She is not, pause it right here. She's not paying attention, Will. And, and can you tell the people how you know that she's not paying attention? Well, she's looking on her phone. Yes, she's looking at her phone while she's riding a bike, which is uh, not advisable. That's not an advisable activity. And just as she goes to put the phone down, she somehow, maybe she misjudged her distance from this vehicle. Oh, and she's leaning. She starts to lean, and then tragedy strikes as she exits the bike completely and slams into this person's Tesla Although it looks like she sort of saves the car ever so slightly because the bike kind of travels in the direction away from the car. Right, yeah. But she knows she's going to hit the ground at least as she does here and uh, in a second. And if you continue forward just a little bit more, I think you actually can see her. Yeah, go a little forward on the video there, Will, past this part. I feel like I saw her sitting beside trying to recover. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a preview. It's a it's a funny preview. You got to go to like oh, okay. Here the 33-second mark. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll see she's sitting for a while kind of beside the sentry camera of the Tesla. You see she's trying to recover. Uh, and it's I don't know if it's pain or if it's laughing going on here. Probably a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny that you crashed, but also maybe you got a scrape or two. And then you're laughing because your friends are looking back at you like, yeah. you idiot, where you looking at your phone again? Yeah. And this is all the type of thing that happens when you're distracted. Like Sarah, not again. Not again. Come on. We're just going Get for a stroll together. here. Can you enjoy the environment? Can you enjoy the, the the smooth breeze? What are you looking at on your phone? Well, now she can look at herself on the phone. Mm -hmm. And she goes viral on this particular clip. I don't know how many views this has. But those sentry cams pick up some funny things, man. Mm -hmm. Hence the need for an entire channel. Wham, bam, Tesla cam for all your favorite Sentry clips, you can go have a laugh. Speaking of high-performance vehicles, Ram is putting out the most unbelievable pickup truck. It's going to be powered by the Hellcat engine. This is the thing they've been putting in those in those Challengers, Chargers. What else they put it? I believe they even put it into one of the Jeeps. But this thing is it's bananas. It's over 700 horsepower. And they claim that this vehicle is going to do 100 miles an hour on any surface. Well, it doesn't matter. Mm. Go taking the desert. This thing's a beast. Yeah. And what they want to what they want to do is destroy the Ford Raptor with this uh. with this car. They want to finally have a, you know, a kind of performance pickup truck on par or better. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly more powerful than the Raptor. But it's going to cost you, Will. It's going to cost you at least $71,690. And, of course, you can spec it out beyond that. They had to make all kinds of modifications to the regular Ram body to fit this enormous engine in there. Uh. Now, they had to also take off a little bit of power from what the Hellcat ha has in other 
implementations in other vehicles. So it normally makes 707 horsepower. The Hellcat inside of this particular truck is 702. So it's not, you're losing about five horsepower, but I think you got plenty of horsepower, Will. Mm -hmm. And the reason they had to drop the five horsepower is due to a higher intake to accommodate the truck's 32-inch water fording tolerance. So obviously this has to go off-road, so you have different tolerances than you would on a, on a, a, a car, a performance car, something like that. It'll do zero to 60 in 4.5 seconds, which, I mean, if you're looking at Teslas or Taycans, it doesn't sound that. But this is a heavy, this is a truck, Will. Mm. 4.5 seconds, impressive. zero to 60, zero to 100 miles per hour in 10.5 seconds. You can run a quarter mile in 12.9 seconds at a top speed of 118 miles per hour. This is a, this is a pretty wild truck. If that's what you're looking for. A lot of people have been waiting for this for a long time. Feeling like Ram didn't have a real competitor to the Ford Raptor. I'm, I see you squinting at that image there. Yeah, is this like a racetrack? racetrack? Yeah, it is. racetrack with a little bit little bit of a, an angle to that yeah. outside lane there. But yeah, the, the people are into trucks. Trucks are hot, hot right now. Mm. And as everyone sits around to to uh, sits around waiting for those electric performance trucks to hit the market. Ram's got you covered in the form of this TRX right here, Ram 1500 TRX. It also looks pretty wild. It does, yeah. So I was just going to say. this. In the meantime, Will, you can pick up one of these and hit the trail running. Very cool. 702 horsepower. Oh, the interior as well, if you scroll down a little bit. The interior is really nice. They've been doing some some great interiors on the recent Ram models. With, for tech with a huge uh, display in the center of the unit. Mm. This one also has a flat bottom steering wheel, which tells you performance. And it, it looks like a little Alcantara maybe as well. Oh, yeah. And the seats, if you scroll down just a little further, the seats actually have a bunch of extra bolstering because you're shaking around with all the extra performance. So they're going to squeeze you in there just a touch. And go back just one picture just to show off that enormous display in the center of the dash. It's all pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I think you'd agree. Yep. You can take this thing Baja mode, take it on the snow, Will. I can tell you're very excited. Very fun. We're going to skip the next one because it's a paywall, so go two, two forward. Well, uh, Panasonic. Okay. Yep. You didn't get paywalled. Okay, fine. Cause <laughs> I got I read, one more article left. Because I read this apparently. story this morning on Bloomberg. You know what? We'll just pay for the Bloomberg thing for this show. But anyways... I read this story this morning about how GM is potentially just going to do an electric vehicle spinoff instead of having everything fall under the GM umbrella. And investors, they liked that. They said, you know what? That's exciting because all the hype in the automotive sector seems to be around EVs. But the problem is you have these mega brands that still sell and market traditional fossil fuel vehicles. Mm. And so... You know, it's just, it's tough to make the case to the customer that something different is really happening and to get that hype train rolling, well, for the customer and also for the investor. The investor has to be on the hype train as well. And so we recently talked on this show about how Hyundai was going to do a whole new brand. I can't remember the name of it now. Ionic or something like that? Yeah. Obviously, they didn't, cars. Obviously they didn't do a good job with the, with the brand there because I've already forgotten it. But it's not out yet, so give me a break on that. Electric spinoff. Spinoff brand by the name of Ionic. 
Did I say Ionic? Yes, you did. You wow. I have a few. I'm not. You're not old? I'm not as depleted as I thought I was. I actually remember the brand name. Anyways, so yeah. Uh, this is one way that you can signal a real investment. GM supposedly working on 20-something electric vehicles. They're fully on board. It's crazy because they had an electric vehicle before anyone else. You can see who killed the electric car. It's a documentary about how super early they had an electric vehicle and they just squashed it. Actually, literally squashed them. Mm -hmm. All the leases. Anyways, that was GM, right? That wasn't Ford? I think it was GM. I believe it was GM. Anyways, it might have been Ford. <laughs> who killed the electric car? The point being is when you go out and do a dedicated electric vehicle brand, you have all kinds of new marketing opportunities. It was General Motors. It was called the EV1 in the mid-90s. Crazy. They had a fully functioning electric know, vehicle yeah. in the mid-90s. People liked it, and they squashed it. Go check that. That's a, that's a good uh, document. Did you watch that documentary? I did, yeah. yeah. A long time ago. I don't really remember. It was, a good, it was a good documentary. But anyway, so, so there, this is just a rumor for the moment, and obviously there's products in the pipeline already that are going to fall under the General Motors brand or sub-brands like Hummer. They're working on that EV. So this may take a little time to make this transition, but I think it, I think it could be a good move. Mm. People have a certain impression of what GM represents, mm -hmm. and it has an archaic kind of potentially archaic. It's funny about brands and, and the persistence of brands. Right. You can get, you can have comfort in a brand because it's been around for so long, or a brand can seem old because it's been around for so long. Mm -hmm. So, in GM's case, I think you you come with a, a whole new brand name and set of products. I think it could be interesting, and that's what the rumor suggests here. And so, uh, Wall Street and investors are responding that that could be a, a good thing or a big thing. And of course, you can still utilize all the backbone of. GM the brand, mm -hmm. which gives you a huge leg up. You have a dealership footprint, you have manufacturing footprint and all of that. So we'll see what takes place, but they're they're uh mulling mulling over it, mm. supposedly. How about this? Panasonic put out a home cubicle. You can put this in your home, Will, because you miss the office so much. Oh. Cause because you're at home because uh lockdown, you don't get to go into the office, but you you had a cubicle at the office. Yeah. And it made you feel cozy, mm -hmm. like a work zone. Mm -hmm. Then you were at home and you're like, where do I work? And and people have tried the desks. You know, the desks are out there. But then there's the overflow with the desk. Yeah. It goes out, it hits the coffee table and it hits the kitchen table mm -hmm. and it hits the dining room, whatever you got. Yeah. It hits the bathroom all of a sudden near the sink. All of a sudden you see some paperwork some photocopies, a fax machine. <laughs> I don't have this problem, but some people might. Yeah. And uh, The Verge says it's disheartening, a disheartening glimpse at our work-from-home future. I don't know if it's necessarily disheartening. I think I look at it a bit different. Yeah. I, I think you might be in a tight space, and it can actually help you stay organized. Mm -hmm. Also, the I, I would say like the mindset of having like a workspace like your mentality goes to like okay this is where i work now sure you know sure yeah and the way they've made it it's out of wood i don't think it's the ugliest thing ever 
No. If you scroll down, you'll see on the outside, it's kind of a pegboard so you can stay organized. And I don't have this problem. I, I have uh, I have like an office. You can have an office space too. And obviously that would be, someone would prefer that, but not everyone has that space. Mm -hmm. People, particularly in cities, you got a smaller space to work with. So it can be really hard to set up a designated workspace. Of course, this product targeted at Japan, famously, there's some small spaces. Mm -hmm. in some of those very densely populated cities. It's funny that it's being made by Panasonic, an electronics company, mm. but uh, they do sell, you can see a, one of the tough book laptops there. Yeah. They're trying to, I don't know, alleviate some of the problems with working at home, letting you uh, have 10 square feet, which Good is on one, them. one square meter of a specific work zone. Yeah. The, the product is called the Komoru, which sounds very inviting. Yes. It's got all kinds of wood on it. And it, depending on the individual that's looking at this, you may think this is depressing or you may think this is exactly what you need. I don't know, but you can't get it yet or you can't get it now. It's going to be marketed only in Japan for the time being. But you can imagine maybe Ikea could put something like this out. It'll be interesting to see how people manage their work from home future because it appears hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people could be working from home mm -hmm. for a while in, yep. into the foreseeable future. This one, I pick, I got this one for you, Will. Yep. And I just want you to do, people, do to people a favor and just read that headline. A uh, study confirms that painting eyes on cow butts helps ward off predators. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, right? You wouldn't have thought of that. No. May, oh, maybe you would. Maybe this is in your dreams that then become, then then it became I reality. Mean it's possible. Yeah. This was based on a technique that that you see in nature. You ever seen one of those butterflies? It looks like eyes. Mm -hmm. That's this one way in which it's a defense mechanism that evolved over who knows how long to to ward off predators they think the thing is much bigger and more intimidating than it actually is uh sometimes when a peacock spreads the thing out it looks mm -hmm. huge look at that it looks like eyes on the butterfly anyway cows just have regular eyes mm. a cow doesn't have any really strong defense mechanism other than the fact that it's big but it's not big enough to fend off a lion mm -hmm. and so you have this livestock in i believe botswana and they're getting picked off by lions, man, and other predators. Mm. Maybe even got hyenas. I don't know. Mm. And these cows aren't cheap. This is your bit, your uh, family business over here. Mm -hmm. This is your well-being taking care of these handful of cows that you got. So you lose one of these. It's a really big deal. So you take matters into your own hands. You try to kill off these lions. Well, now you're killing off all the lions. They just want to catch a meal. Uh -huh. It's a big mess. So... What, what happens? Human ingenuity. They look at the butterflies. They say, wait a sec. What if we, they observed the way that these lions were hunting. And it, they, you, you notice that a lion is a stealth predator, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't want to be spotted. It attacks when it doesn't think it's being spotted. And then it pounces. You ever seen the famous lion? He's down there in the, in the, uh, uh, the grasslands? Yes. The savannah? I don't know. There's a famous picture where they're barely peeking out and they're waiting for the prey to not see them and then they go. Because mm -hmm. they're trying to preserve their, their energy as well. Right? It's hot out there. They're trying to be efficient. That's the famous in the grasslands. Okay? Look at that. All right? 
you're just going for a stroll, you and Little Otis, you spot that. Oh. Let, me, let me tell you, you don't have a chance. Yeah. Let me tell you, you're cooked. As soon as you see it, you're already cooked. Yeah, I probably won't see it. You know? No, I mean. It gets me. No, I mean, not where we're located. It's over. Not where we're. Oh, you wouldn't even see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you are. You you and Otis do take a trip. A, a light. <laughs> looking at the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You just get and yourself then, comfortable with the fact that it's over. Yeah. No yeah. struggle. No, I don't know. You can, you, maybe not. Maybe Otis would surprise you. He'd pull some fancy tricks. He's a feisty one. Yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden, he saves your life. Yeah. But anyway, this project here, they decided to be inspired by nature after observing nature, and they started to paint stencil on actual eyes to the to the butt of this cat these cattle and they ended up uh, extracting data and 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 after a period of time having done this noticing a real drop off in the number of cows that were being hmm. attacked and killed by predators because of this uh, technique hmm. and they had a couple that were still killed during the period however the three cows that were killed during the period, none of them had the painted eyes. All the painted oh. cows survived. Is that incredible? It was applied with foam stencils in the shapes of the inner and the outer eye, and the colors were chosen because of highly contrasting, uh, highly contrasting and apossomatic, apossomatic features common in natural anti-predator signaling settings. Amazing. Huh. That Amazing. That looks like a... Like a tiger eye. It kind of like looks like a tiger eye. eye. I don't want to attack that. And and I was thinking once it's on the butt of the cow and the cow moves the tail a little bit, it kind of looks like an elephant. Yes. Uh, at least on that grayish looking cow. Mm -hmm. And a, a lion knows an elephant can be a problem. Even though this is much smaller than an elephant, even an elephant can be a problem. But either way, point being, they don't know it. It feels weird and foreign and they feel like they're being looked at. Mm-hmm. And therefore, like they don't challenge. have the advantage they would normally want when approaching the prey. Let's see. Let's see the actual numbers here. Let's see the actual number. Local farmers killed a pair of lionesses in retaliation for preying on the herd, their herds of ca uh, cattle. The African lion population has dropped significantly from more than 100,000 in the 90s to somewhere between 23,000 and 39,000 in 2016. So a lot of the killing of lions is the retaliation stuff. They say, we don't want to keep killing these lions. We just want them to stop attacking. Mm -hmm. That's how you come up with it in the first place. So they painted the eyes on one third of a herd of 62 cattle and took the head count. And that's how they figured out their, their, uh, the effectiveness eventually. Hmm. And then they increased that. Over the course of the four-year study, 15 out of 835 unpainted and only four out of the cross-painted cattle were killed by lions. And none of the 683 cattle with the painted eyes were killed. So now I'm just painting all my cattle. Yeah, well, you should. I'm just saying to myself. It's a very smart move. I'm saying I appreciate this cattle. I want to preserve this cattle. This cattle right here is uh, has tremendous value. And all I have to do to achieve this is a quick little paint job. There you go. A quick little stencil. Is it non-toxic enamel? It should be, right? I would assume so. Yeah. I would assume you find a way to do it. And uh, I guess the lions find another meal, right? They go back to the grassland. They check, they look for a gazelle. And they say, you know what? 
That gazelle got nothing painted on his butt. So I'm going to spend my time here. There you go.